my father Even when I'm scared And when someone's in trouble I'll never leave them there And I love like my mother Like there's nothing to lose You're my unsung hero And I sing this song for you Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, yeah, if you can hear my voice, come on in. We're going to get started, and you can find uh, your way to your seat. It's really good to be here today. Happy Mother's Day to all of the moms that are here. Yes, praise the Lord. Uh, we actually have, we'll have a special message today in honor of all of our moms, and so we look forward to that. But of course, as always, every Sunday that we get together, we worship the Lord, and we worship the Lord in many ways. Uh, worshiping God through music is something that we love to do, and we'll do that in just a second together. But we get to worship God also by opening His Word. That's a form of worship. Worship God through prayer. Worship God through fellowship. And so uh, all that we do today, our prayer is that it is honoring to the Lord and is worshipful to Him for his word tells us that he is seeking worshipers that would worship him in spirit and in truth, because God is spirit, so we worship him uh, in spirit as our spiritual act of worship. We worship him in truth also, and so in just a minute we're going to sing some songs and the, the words will be up on the screen, and we, we sing these, these words of truth, some taken right from the scriptures and others that 
of course, remind us in very poetic ways about who God is and how we are to love Him and honor Him. And so all that we do this morning, we pray, is, is uh, honoring to the Lord. And so one more thing, and then I will read from the Word of the Lord as our, uh, from the Word of the Lord as our call to worship. Just remember this, that God knows our hearts, and He knows that each of us had different experiences this whole week leading up to today, and even this morning. And maybe this morning was a, a real a beautiful morning for you, and you, you've already had your second cup of coffee, and you're here, and you're relaxed. It was, it was just a great, easy morning. We praise God for that. And some of you were rushing to get here, and your mind is still scrambling about things that you didn't get to do, or things that you have to do later, or even things that you have to finish doing, preparing for Mother's Day. Those are all good and important things. But we gather here in this place, and Sunday morning, the first morning of a brand new week, to honor God, and we celebrate the fact that our God is alive and that Jesus Christ has given himself for us. And so all that we do this morning, we want it to be honoring of the Lord Jesus himself. And so know that God knows your heart, and so we can be real with him this morning, and we can be real with him in our prayers, our offerings of ourselves, and our offering of worship, okay? And so he knows us. So let me read from the word of the Lord, and then we'll stand and pray and enter into a time of worship through song. Uh, this is um, the reading from Psalm 89. The Psalms are a great book, a collection of songs where people were real before God. And here is a real offering of praise to God. From Psalm 89, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. So let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. Let us praise God's faithfulness in this great assembly. Let's stand and pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for that great word and reminder, Lord, that we have gathered and we are assembled here together to offer praises to you. Your love is steadfast and never-ending. It is always faithful to us, and so we sing of that now. And God, we thank you also that the word reminds us that you have promised, you had promised you would send one, send one to be the Messiah, the rescuer and redeemer. And we stand here now in his presence, proclaiming his name and the truth of Jesus Christ, our redeemer and our Lord. So we sing these, Father God, we sing these songs to you and praise to you with our lips, joining our hearts together in, um, in celebration of Jesus Christ, our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. Church, let's worship him together.
promise you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. And great are you, Lord. It's your
Why don't you take a moment to say good morning to somebody next to you and say good morning in the name of the Lord Jesus. If we can make our way back to our seats. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's good to worship God in this place this morning and, and uh, so good to sing those words and remind us. I love that line, right? It's your breath in our lungs and we pour out our praise. And the idea being that all that God gives us, we know it's a blessing from him. All good gifts are from above. The scripture teaches us but we then take all that he gives us and blesses us with and we just turn it back to him and we give it back to him as a form of praise, right? We're gonna see that this morning in the life of a very special mom as we celebrate moms today. As I said earlier, happy Mother's Day to all the moms and we wanna honor you this morning. Cherish our moms always and we Say welcome to all the moms that are here, but also those that are joining us through live stream. We say welcome to everybody, especially our moms. But today, we're going to take a break from our study of First Peter uh, and look at the life of Hannah. Hannah from the Bible, an amazing woman of God, much that we can all learn from her, not only as a mom, which is what we'll focus on, but so much just the woman of God and how she lived her life, and we can glean so much from her about ourselves and how to be real with others and with God. And so first, before we get into that, and of course you can open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1. It won't be up on the screen for you, but I'm going to read chapter 1 for us this morning, and I'm going to go all the way through chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 11. Um, but before that, what I wanted to do is just as a special way to, to just honor our moms. Moms, you don't have to stand, but I just wanted to say thank you uh, on behalf of myself and the church leadership. Thank you. We can give them all of our moms a round of applause. We thank your moms. Thank you again for choosing to join us this morning. Uh, and uh, we just cannot, of course, overstate the, um, the importance of moms in our lives, can we? 
and that we continue to support our moms no matter um, who they might be in our lives. We have all different moms and kinds of moms in our lives, but we want to continue to pray for them, to pray for the mothers that um, are raising our children and for those that are raising the kids down the hall and as we, uh, through our moms, passing on our faith to the next generation as the word tells us to do but i'd like to now just offer up a prayer for all of our moms and so if you would just close your eyes and bow your heads in reverence to the lord let me just offer this prayer up to all of our moms that are with us today so heavenly father we offer our our greatest uh, gratitude our deep thankfulness to you this morning we express our joy for being in the presence of so many moms here this morning and for all of the moms in our lives, whoever they may be, for all of the moms who have loved us and cared for us, the moms who have walked with us and taught us how to live well and to follow you. We praise you for the wonderful love that has been shown to us through our moms, and we pray for all those who are mothers that You would give them strength in their weakness and wisdom when they are unsure, patience and peace as they navigate life's daily demands and routines, and faith, faith in your loving care for them and for their families. And we also pray for an inexhaustible love for those whom you have given them to nurture. And for those who may feel even some sadness today father please bring help and healing where there may be wounds a softening of of a heart when forgiveness is needed but difficult and hope when hope seems fleeting to find may we all be thankful for the moms in our lives who have given so selflessly and sacrificially that we may know unconditional love the love of a mom. We pray that you would bless them and bless them all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, thank you, moms, for joining us today here and virtually. We want you to be honored and so blessed today. You know, um, uh, boy, was it not windy the last few days, right? Was it crazy wind? And uh, you come out and you see stuff blown all over. And even this morning, um, and you know, we said, boy, it wasn't just windy, it was real windy. And we use that word real a lot. It sounds silly, right? But I was kind of thinking of that last night. I'm like, boy, it's, it's really windy outside. Not just windy, but real windy. I'm like, boy, we use that word a lot, real. But what does that mean? Like, what is that sense of reality, right? We, we all kind of in our lives, we want what's real, we, we strive for and we long for something that is real in our lives, especially in, a, in an age where there's so many things that are artificial or, or fake that are made to look real. We kind of uh, are now in, 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 this, in this world where we strive for reality, right? But what's interesting is that even as we as a people strive for what is real and authentic in our lives, we also at the same time are wondering in awe of this technology called virtual reality. So it's like, just as we strive for what is real, we are also creating a virtual reality. Now, what does that mean? It means that it's not actually real. It's almost real. It's virtually real. 
So the sense of reality that we have in our lives and a, a desire for knowing what's real and, and meeting real people. Do you ever talk about that? You know, with somebody, boy, like, I love this person. They're just so real. What does that mean? Because we know, right? We know what it means when, when people seem like they're being real, but they're not. They're not being honest. And we say, well, I don't want to be fake. want to be real. You go to the store and, and every product has that word real on it, right? This is real. It's real Hellman's mayonnaise. It's, it's real this and real that, meaning it's not artificial. It's not full of preservatives. It's real. It's the real deal, the real thing, right? We understand what that is. It's real. And so even as we might long for reality, we still might binge watch reality TV, What's that about? Because what we are watching, is it really real? What's on reality TV? It's called reality TV, but is it real? And then think about this. Why are we searching for reality in somebody else's reality? We want to escape our reality by immersing ourselves in somebody else's reality, right? You think about that. But in, in the sense of it all, we do all long for what is real to have real experiences with real emotions, right? This morning, from the story of Hannah, from the book of 1 Samuel, we will see a woman who is real. She's a real woman of God with a real faith, a real mom who has real struggles and real problems, but a real faith to go along with it. And isn't that really, at the end of the day, what we're looking for, that we would be real that we would have people in our lives who are real so we know what to expect. Because there is nothing like reality. Nothing can replace it. Everything else is virtual. And all true reality is God's reality. And you know what? We might somehow like to immerse ourselves in other people's reality as an escape from our reality. But the reality is, you see, <laughs> as we open the Word of God, we see real people going through real struggles, real pains, real sorrows, real triumphs, and, and real celebrations. But it's all about a real God. And today, in the life of Hannah, just a short picture of, of this woman we don't know much about, but what we do draws us because she is a real woman of God and a real mom who had real prayers and who God really loved and really provided for her. So we're going to look at the life of Hannah today. And so, yes, you know, I am a dad, and I know what it's like to be a dad, and I love being a dad. So my wife, Claudia, she's a mom. She knows what it's like to be a mom. I have an idea of the reality of being a mom, but I can never quite fully understand what it's like to be a mom. But yet Hannah did. So yesterday, our son Luke was in a, a car accident. He's fine and everything's fine, but uh, it, was, it was a pretty bad one, but the Lord provided and protected him and 
And so, of course, my wife and I, as you can imagine, you know, we were worried about him, but I was thinking later on the day after we had processed everything and he came home and we were able to hug him and he was safe, you know, kind of reacted differently. You know, our, first of all, our, our first reaction, of course, both of us was, is he okay? And he was. And you start thinking about all the ramifications of that, you know. But as my wife was looking at pictures he was sending and talking, you could see the heart of a mom just wanting him to be home, right? And I wanted that too, but I was also then, as a dad, maybe dealing more of the practical things, you know? How's the car? <laughs> you know? <laughs> what are we going to do with that? First is his safety, and what about the car, and what about the insurance, and what do we do? And it's all good, right? Secondary to the fact that he was okay. But I saw the heart of a mom coming out in Claudia, right? And, and the tears and the worry and even about he said he was fine and she was the one to bring up, just don't forget, you know, give yourself some grace and, and, and get a good night's sleep, right? And just be careful in the morning, see how you feel, right? Worrying about her son and thinking about all those things, right? The heart of a good mom. Well, Hannah, Hannah is an amazing woman of God. And we learn about her in 1 Samuel, and I'm going to read that for us in just a minute. But we read about Hannah, who is a wonderful example of the realities of being a mom. Being a woman who follows after the heart of God and one from whom we can all learn much of the realities of just life in general. A real mom who is living a real life, but who had faith in a real God. Here's a little bit of background, a summary of, of her story. See, at the time, when, when we learn about Hannah and she was living, um, Israel, the nation of Israel, had judges, right? They didn't yet have a king, and they had judges that God would appoint to rule over them and to keep law and order and peace. And, but yet it didn't really work out well in the end because they only uh, experienced peace and prosperity as long as that judge was alive. And not every judge was a good judge, but eventually the people got tired of it. And we know from the history of the people of Israel they finally cried out and said, we want a king like all these other nations had. They thought that would be the answer. But see yet, who was to be their true king was God himself. It set that up. But yet time and time again, they were disobedient to their God. They said, we want an earthly king. So finally, God allows it. It wasn't his desire. was not his heart's plan or desire. But he knows his people and he allows it. And so he raises up the last judge, who was also a prophet, named Samuel. And Samuel was a good judge and a good prophet and a man after God, uh, uh, following after God. And so God uses Samuel to appoint the very first two kings of Israel, Saul and then, of course, David. See, but first Samuel doesn't just open with here is Samuel and all that he did. No, see, God is very generous to us, and we have to pay attention when God introduces us to people in the Bible that he gives attention to. God makes it a point to tell us about Samuel's mom, and her name is Hannah. 
And so the story begins not just with Samuel and all that God was going to do through him as a judge, the final judge and a prophet, and the one who appoints the first two kings of Israel, but who was his mom? And what do we learn from her? See, whenever God puts something, of course, in his word, we have to pay attention. There's nothing inconsequential and no person who is inconsequential in the scriptures. You agree with that? And so we say amen that God would give us a glimpse into the life of Samuel's mother, Hannah. And so the people cried out for a king, and he used Samuel to do that. But God tells us, how did Samuel get to be Samuel? And what about his birth and the amazing woman of God, his mom named Hannah? A woman who had real problems, who prayed real prayers, who received real provisions from God, who made even real promises to God, and finally, as we'll conclude later, offered a real praise to God for all that he had done. So what I'd like to do now is read, and this won't be up on the screen for you. I'm going to read the whole chapter of 1 Samuel chapter 1. So please, just listen. If you don't have your Bibles with you, you can open your Bible app on your phone, or there should be Bibles on the, the, the chairs in front of you there. Uh, please, read along if you have your Bible with you, or just listen. And this is the story of the birth of Samuel, but it is the story of Hannah. Then I'll give us some more background and look at a few things that we can glean from her life. So this is First Samuel, all of chapter 1. So there was a certain man of Ramathame Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jer uh, Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zoph, and Ephrathite. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Panina. And Panina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from the city to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah his wife and all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year after year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not even eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat? And why is your heart so sad? Am I not more to you? And even ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. 
As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli, the priest, observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, and only her lips were moving, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman, and Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I, I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. So the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him, so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli the priest. And she said, O oh my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence praying to the Lord for... This child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. The story of Hannah, her prayer for a child, God provided. She named him Samuel because it, the name basically means asked of the Lord. She had asked of the Lord, and she then keeps good her promise and brings him at the appointed time to Eli the priest and says, I am giving my son, whom God has provided, back to him. And Eli, probably maybe four years old, maybe five years old, sorry, um, Samuel at the time, was brought to Eli the priest as a young boy, four or five years old, to live and to serve in the temple for all of his days. Can you imagine, here is Hannah longing to be a mom. And finally, God provides. She made a promise to give him back to God, and she kept good on that promise. And then later on, we will see her reaction to doing just that. So let's see, what can we learn from Hannah and her story and what she just did? Is that amazing? I mean, it wasn't so long. It's just that first chapter of the book of 1 Samuel. But what exactly happens here? She's got this husband named Elkanah, and he had two wives. 
Now, back in that day, in that culture that was very common, but let's just make sure we're clear about this, it no way expresses that it was God's heart or desire for His people to have multiple spouses. It was not His plan or desire. God, of course, allowed it. He knew the sinful heart of people, but it is not what He wanted. See, See, in Scripture, there are many Scriptures that are descriptive and some that are prescriptive, right? Just because the Bible describes how something was doesn't mean it's how God wanted it to be. See the difference? And so Elkanah had two wives. One was Hannah. One was Penina. Now, Penina had many children by Elkanah, but Hannah, whom Elkanah, her, her husband, loved, had no children. And she was sad, and she was, she was very discouraged by that. But to make matters worse, what did the other wife, Panina, do? Boy, she held it against her. She made fun of her. She derided her. She rebuked her. She made her feel terrible. Did you ever feel kind of fell? Ever have somebody do that to you? Know that they had something that you longed for? And instead of comforting you, they just used it against you. They spoke ill of you. They made fun of you. They mocked you. See, that's what the other wife, Panina, was doing. She was like, I got all these kids. How many do you have? None. Right? You imagine what that was like for Hannah. That was her situation. So every year, as they were taught to do, they would go to Shiloh, where the tabernacle was. It was a city, a town, where they would worship and bring sacrifices to the Lord. And there was a priest there who would oversee those and receive those sacrifices on behalf of God, and his name was Eli. And so they went up this one year, and, and, and um, Hannah broke away from dinner and was at the door of the tabernacle, and she was praying, crying out to God, to the point where Eli, he couldn't hear her, but he saw her mouth moving, and he saw what she was doing. He thought she was drunk. She says, hey, put away that wine. And she's like, no, 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 no. And she respected him and said, I'm not drunk with wine or even strong drink. She said, I am just crying out to the Lord in fervent prayer that he would hear my prayer. So he apologized. And he said, go in peace. And he said, God will provide. And from there, she had a glimmer of hope. And of course, we know as the story went on that God did provide. And he did provide a son. She named him Samuel, which means, in essence, I asked of God. She named him Samuel. Samuel. And so the next year, right, Elkanah said to the wives, we're going to go and, and offer sacrifices. And this time, Anna said, no, I'm going to do it myself because I made a promise to God and he provided and made good on what I was told was his promise. And so I want to give back to him. And so she did that. And she honored God and brought her son Samuel to the tabernacle, to live with Eli the priest and the other servants, so he would grow to become a priest of God and a servant. And we read later that every year she went and brought him a little robe. She would make him a robe and would bring one. Every year as he grew, she would bring a different one so that she could honor him and be reminded of the promise that God had made to her and kept good and the promise that she made as well. And so Elkanah was trying to be a, a good husband, and he said to her, why is it that you're weeping? Kind of sounds like a silly question, right? 
and be like, uh, husbands, this is good. Like, know what it is that's making your wife cry and try to find out, right? But in a very sensitive way. And he was like, why are you crying? It's like, you got me. Isn't that enough? <laughs> that was his response, right? <laughs> he was like, am I not worth more than 10 sons? And she's like, yeah, no, like I want, I want. <laughs> she loved him and he loved her, right? But she greatly desired to have children, especially his son. And it's almost like you hear her saying, do you hear what your other wife is saying, Panina? Do you hear what's going on here? And why am I so sad? <laughs> There's so much we can learn from Hannah. Let's take a look at just a few of these, right? And so we see first, Hannah had real problems. Do you have real problems? I think you do. I do. We all do. You know, we need to be real with each other and with God because we all struggle and we all have relationship issues, kind of like Hannah did. But it's important that we first recognize that we have real problems. They're real to us. But listen, our problems and struggles and difficulties are also real to our God. He knows what we struggle with. He knows what our problems are. Because he knows us. He created us and he loves us that much. And so our problems are real to us, but even more real to God. Hannah had issues that we can relate to, but she was broken before God. So she came before God with her problems and trusted him, but she also, she also brought her problems to a person she could trust, the priest Eli. So I think there's something there for us to remember too, that we are to come before God with our problems, but it's also good to have people in our lives that we can trust, that we can trust with our, our deepest issues and problems and feelings and emotions and concerns and worries and fears and pains and struggles, and we can bring those to people that we know we can trust our heart with them. Do you have people like that in your life? See, she went to God, but she also went to Eli, man that she trusted. And she told him, and she said, I'm just crying out to God. as even a plea for help. And she trusted in Eli. And we are to trust in others too. It's that God creates these relationships, and it's one of the beautiful things about being a church, is that we get to do this life together. We can trust one another, especially as we get to know each other. We, we place our trust in people. Why? Because of this common bond we have in Jesus Christ. Now, we may not get to know everybody here as well as some others. Of course, that's human nature. But do you have people in your life, people in this church that you can trust and confide in and cry with, but also rejoice with? When we're real and broken before God and we become real and broken before others, it allows space for us to grow. Do you ever just want to have a good cry, but you can't? Where you want to just let it go before God or even with a trusted friend to realize that you're hurting and broken and you need somebody to listen. God is always there for us, but one of the great blessings of God is that he brings other people into our lives that we can trust and share with. There's so much that we can learn 
from Hannah. But look at this. In verse 7, it says, Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. That's a real problem to the point where she wouldn't even eat. Did you ever get so depressed that you didn't feel like eating? In verse 10, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. Job 2 reminds us, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? We know it's a part of life. It's what God allows. There are real problems. But what was her response to her struggles? It was prayer. The response to her real problems was that Hannah prayed. She was a woman of real prayer. Verse 11, it said, She made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. She was a woman of prayer. There's nothing like a mom who is a mom who prays. Amen? A mom who prays for herself for her husband, for those in her life that mean the most to her, a mom who prays for her kids. Here she did not yet have a child. She prayed for one. She knew that God would be the one to be able to provide. So Hannah was a woman of prayer, a mom who prayed. But we also see that she prayed fervently. She was a woman of great prayer. She prayed for deliverance from her problems, for mercy from God. And notice this, church, she didn't, from all accounts, get angry, but she wept bitterly before God. There's different ways we can approach God and others. She chose to let it all out before God, but not in anger that God, God, why are you allowing Panina to, to do this to me, to provoke this in me? And why have you not provided a child for me? My heart's greatest desire. She comes before God, weeping and broken. Reminds us of Jesus who gives us a great example, the greatest example of praying fervently before God. Luke 22, and being in anguish, Jesus prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus prayed like that. How do you pray, church? What is your prayer time like? How do you bring your requests, your greatest desires, your anguish before God? How do you come before God in prayer? Does it look like Jesus' prayer? Does it look like Hannah's prayer? the very least, are you being real with God? That's, God? that's what God asks of us. We are His children. He says, you can be real with us. Parents, moms, don't you want your children to be real with you? So we don't have to figure out what it is that they're thinking or what's going on. Just be real. Don't sugarcoat it. Let us know why. Why do we want that as parents? So we can help them. Is not God the same as our loving Heavenly Father? That He wants us to be real with Him? Yes, of course He knows what's going on, but He asks and says, just come before me and be real. He says to pray, to pray without ceasing, we're told. And Hannah prays fervently before her God, like Jesus, our Savior, does. Are we open and honest with God? Are we being real with Him? But we pray because God is the one who gives real provision. 
So we also learn that from the life of Hannah. Not only did she have real problems, but she prayed real prayers to a real God. God really provided. How did he do that? So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Isn't that beautiful? He doesn't always provide like this, of course, where we say, God, this is what we want, and then he gives us exactly that. But don't we know that God might not always give us exactly what we want, but he always gives us exactly what we need. That is our God. He knows what we need. All we can do is pray and let him know the desires of our heart and be real with him as he is with us. Jesus was real with his disciples and just wanted that from them. But that's the relationship God desires with us. He doesn't always provide just like that, but he knows exactly what we need. But we are to pray with expectation that he will provide. Not knowing exactly when or how God will provide, but that he will because he knows us. When the word says that he will grant us the desires of our heart. It means if we are praying in his will and for his will, God's will will be done in our lives. And then the desires of our hearts will be granted in his own timing, in his own way, as we trust him. What does it say in Hebrews 4.16? Let us then approach God's throne of grace with what? With confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Why? It says elsewhere in, in, a, in Hebrews that we have in Christ a great high priest. See, Eli was the priest at that time, the one that people would bring the offerings and the sacrifices to. But we know that, of course, Jesus came doing away with that priestly um, ministry where he is now our one and great high priest who intercedes before us and with us before God. He does that for us as our great high priest, one who knew what it was like to suffer, to have problems, to feel hunger and to feel pain, to weep and to rejoice. Why Christ came to live among us, God in the flesh. See, so the writer of Hebrews is saying, God did this in Jesus Christ, so now in Christ we can come before God with confidence, because we come in Jesus' name, we pray in Jesus' name, and we can do it with confidence before the mighty throne of God, that grace-filled throne. With confidence so we can receive mercy and find grace. When? In our times of need. In church, that's what we can do in the name of Jesus Christ. We come before Him. And so, yes, God really provided and gave Hannah what she desired most and gave him a son. But she also made a real promise. Now, do we make promises to God? Have you ever done that? Have you ever been in a situation where you're just like, God, if you get me out of this problem, I promise I will. Ever do that? God, if you just give me this one thing, God, if you just allow me to have this one job, God, if you allow this one relationship to work out, whatever it is, God, I promise I will. And then you fill in the blank. We've all kind of done that to some degree or another, right? But what does Hannah do? She says, God, 
You know the desire of my heart, and she's, she's weeping bitterly and crying out to God. She says, God, if you give me the son that I so desire, I will give him right back to you. And I will give him right back to you, and he will serve you all the days of his life. So God makes good on his promise. Verse 27, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there, meaning Samuel. She made good on her promise. Church, have you ever cried out to God and made a promise to God? How did you do with that? Did you kind of keep your end of the bargain? You see, the life of a disciple of Jesus in many ways is about making promises. See, we, we accept salvation in Christ as a gift. We accept it by believing in Jesus Christ. Over and over again, it says that is how we are saved. How we, we are saved before God, a holy and righteous God, because of our sinfulness that has separated us from him. But in Jesus Christ, that provision has been made, and all we do is reach out and accept that free gift. But then we say, do we want to choose to be a follower of his? Because Jesus said, remember our theme verse for the year, when he says, if you want to be my disciples, you deny yourself, you take up your cross and follow me. Are we making that promise to God that, yes, now that you, God, have provided salvation for me, I have received it by faith as a gift, I am now committing my life to you. I am offering myself to you. It is what Hannah did with her son Samuel. God, you have provided as I had prayed, and now I'm giving it back to you. See, that is a, a picture of what our very lives are to be, church. God has given us our life. We sang earlier, it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. That is a picture of our life. God blesses us and gives us all that we have. It is allowed for and, and, and given to us by God. But we are to then turn it all back to praise to him. So Hannah was blessed. She kept her end of the bargain. She gave it back to God. She made a promise. She kept the promise. We are to be promise keepers as well. What does it say in Deuteronomy 7, 9? Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. See, in the scriptures, there's two kinds of covenants. There's an unconditional covenant, like the covenant God made with Abraham, where no matter what Abraham or his descendants had done, God said he will keep his end of the bargain. God will keep the promise right? And so we know that there are still unfulfilled promises that God has made to his people Israel that he needs to keep. We believe he will do that in the future. A real God making real promises who will really keep those promises. But there's also in scripture conditional covenants or conditional promises. And that's like the Mosaic covenant, right? With, with the law, the Ten Commandments that Moses brought from, down from Mount Sinai. And it was if you keep my commandments, you will be blessed, but if you disobey, you will be cursed. See, that is a conditional covenant. So we see with God, yes, salvation, that's unconditional. It's you receive, right? But if you want to be a disciple, it's then, yes, you want to follow and be blessed, then you deny yourself. And if you don't, you will miss out on those blessings. 
When we sin as Christians, as believers, what is happening? We're breaking fellowship with God, and we miss out on all the joys and the blessings of that fellowship. There are consequences to our sin. What does it say in Philippians 1.6? Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, because we know our salvation is secure in him. Amen? And that he will hold us secure until Christ returns. Because God promised that, and he will keep his promise. And therefore, we can trust in a God who keeps his promises. And finally, what do we see next? Real praises. She truly praised God. In a moment, we're going to read what her praise was. This is in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Right? That'll be up on the screen for you. But in 1 Samuel chapter 2, she praises God. But it reminds me of the, of the praise and the prayer from Habakkuk. At the very end of the, the book of Habakkuk, what does it say? This is what he says of God. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet, there's that word, yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Is that beautiful? What is the prophet, what is Habakkuk saying? He's saying, even if everything else in my life is chaos, and I fail at everything, and there's no crops in the fields, and I have no animals in the pen, I have no food, I have nothing, I'm still going to rejoice in God. Are we like that? No matter what fails, no matter what happens, do we still say, but yet I will praise God. What a way to live our lives to remember that. I can still praise God. He is a promise keeper. I might not be getting those things that I desire and I'm praying for, but how about we say this, I have not yet received them, or not received them in the way God wants to provide. Are we trusting him or not? Right? There's that old hymn that we love, the great hymn of the faith, Trust and Obey. It says there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, right? Trust and obedience. It sums up the Christian life. God says, trust me. Just trust in me and the Lord Jesus. I'll take care of everything else. Just trust me and be obedient, right? If you ever get confused and you get caught up and so much is going on, just remember those two words. What does God expect of me? To trust him and to be obedient, to trust and obey, for there really is no other way. But God, God made good on his promises. And so what did she do? What was her response? She praised her God. Let's look what it says. 1 Samuel chapter 2, 1 through 10, and we'll close with this. This is her praise to God after all this happened. And she offered him back to God, leaving him four years old at the temple, seeing him once a year. Can you imagine? Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. She just gave up her one and only son, giving him back to God, and she rejoices in heart. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. A horn was a sign of strength. Her strength comes from the Lord. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. Who is she talking about? Who is her enemy? Penina, right? 
My mouth boasts over my enemies. I delight in your deliverance, meaning God provided the son she wanted. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows. about that? The Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. You see, God raises up the weak. Panina was seen as strong because she had kids. Hannah was seen as weak because she had no kids. And she says, now God has raised up the weak. Those who are full hire themselves out for for food, but those who are hungry are hungry no more. She who is barren has borne seven children. Now later on, we know that she has five more kids. God is so generous. But that word seven is actually, a, it's, a, it's a metaphor for completion, that God has completed his work in her. We know actually she wound up having six kids, Samuel and five others. But she says seven children to say, I am complete in you. She used that number seven that way. But she who has had many sons Pines away, again, meaning Penina, right? (laughs) The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down the grave and raises up. She's saying, God, it's all up to you anyway. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Who is that? Lord Jesus Christ. Hannah praised God. So what is it that we can truly learn from her? God puts a longing and a desire in her heart. He puts it in our hearts as well. But he gives us those desires, those longings. He put that desire in her for a child so that as he blesses us, we would just bring it right back to him. God will use us to accomplish his will. God knew that he would raise up Samuel, but he is so generous in giving us the story of how we got Samuel by his mother, Hannah so much that we can glean from her life. Hannah brought her real problems to God. She had real faith. She showed much grace under pressure. She held her emotions. Can you imagine what she wanted to say to Penina and to her husband Elkanah? But what did she do? Instead of lashing out in anger or frustration or resentment, she brought it to God and wept bitterly brought her problems to God. She cried out to God instead. In fervent prayer, she never gave up. Year after year, she would go back until God provided. We know what it's like. 
to be depressed like she was, to have fears and anxieties like she did. We know what it's like to be frustrated and to have family issues. But she also shows us what it looks like to make a promise and to keep a promise. And then she prays God for the answer to prayer and even doing it in giving Samuel back to him. She didn't just say, thanks God, and move on her way. She said, thank you God, here is my son whom you have given me. Her most precious and prized and treasured possession that God gave her, she gave him right back. Like I said, later on in chapter 2, we learn that God was even generous. Let's just stop there for one second. We pray, we ask God for things, but do you know how generous God is? He gives above all that we can ask or think, Paul says in one of his prayers. Do we trust in a God like that? We might not always see it that way, but God is generous. He is a generous God and loves to lavish his blessings on his children. If only we were to have those eyes to see. So not only did God hear her prayer and give her the son she desired, later on she had five more children. She didn't even pray for more children. Do you see that? She didn't say, God, give me six children. Give me one more than Panina has. She didn't pray that. She prayed for the one son to give back to him, and she did that. But later on, God blessed her in his generosity and grace with even more children. Hmm. He blesses faithfulness. And finally, let's just not miss that. She gave her very best to God. She gave her whole heart. She gave all of her prayer, all of her praises, and she gave her only precious son, her most cherished possession. Is that not what God did for us when he gave us his only son, Jesus Christ? his most treasured possession, he gave to us. He was born to die. He was born to die in our place. God gave Jesus to us. Why? That we may have life and have life abundantly in him. Have you received that new life in Jesus Christ? Have you reached out and accepted the gift of salvation that God has provided to you through Jesus Christ and him alone. Do you know Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said. Have you come back to the Father through Jesus Christ and him alone? Have you received from him by faith, trusting in him, gift of salvation? And if you have then have you committed your life to him? Have you committed your life? Have you made that promise to follow him? And then are you making good on that promise every day to offer yourself up to God like Hannah did with Samuel? Let's stand and pray to our God. Father, boy, I thank you so much. Thank you so much for Jesus Christ. But Lord, we thank you this morning especially for the example of Hannah. We thank you, Father God, that she is a mom to be exemplified, to be followed. We thank you for her real heart and her real prayers through her real problems. But Lord, thank you that also, Father, you have shown us what it looks like to have real faith and to really make good on the promises that we make to you. But Father God, may we also, through it all, 
offer up real praises to you. God, even though there may be no cattle in the pens and no fruit on the vines and no food in the fields, yet we will praise you. God, again, we thank you for each mom here. May they feel blessed and special and honored today as they should be every day. And God, may we remember Hannah as a great mom, an even greater woman of faith. And Lord, we thank you in the precious name of Jesus Christ, your Son, given to us. Amen and amen. Church, thanks for joining us this morning. And please, moms, make sure on the way out that you get one of the special gifts that we have for you this morning. There'll be some children back there who want to offer that to you. So go and and, uh, enjoy that. And please take one of those gifts for you. And be blessed and feel special today. Amen. Amen.
chapter. Good news for the shame. There is good news for the world who walked away. There is good news for the doubter. The one religion failed. For the good Lord has come to seek and save. He's a 